If you're able to stand just for a bit longer, I would invite you to do so. Either way, let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 5. We want to read the last two verses of James 5 this morning and uh, to finish our time in this book. Thank you guys for helping us to sing to the Lord this morning and uh, we're looking forward, uh, Joe and Farah and Ethan have been in the Philippines for six weeks. We're looking forward to have, having Farah back up here to, to join these guys as, as well. And, so. and then starting next Sunday, we'll, we'll resume practice for the children's choir. The children will sing for us on Father's Day. And, uh, and so um, they'll, they'll start practicing next Sunday. We'll say more about that uh, next Sunday, but just kind of a heads up on where we're going with that. But, but for now, James chapter 5, beginning at verse 19, verse 19 and 20, these are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for there is no word like your word. Every word of yours is true, and yet these are not just old, crusty, true words. They are living and active so our prayer is that as we look at these words, that the very presence of your spirit would be at work in our midst and in our hearts so that we would behold wonderful things from your word that, and that literally your word would transform us into the very things that are described here. So help us. May we honor you even as we continue our worship through your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. If anyone among you wonders from the truth, you see the, the pattern, if you've, if you've noticed from the last few weeks, this is the, uh, essentially the fourth time that this kind of statement, uh, back in verse 13, anyone among you suffering? Uh, also in verse 13, anyone among you cheerful? And then uh, last week um, in verse 14, uh, anyone among you uh, sick? And now anyone among you who wonders from the truth. What kind of person are we describing here? Someone who wonders from the truth. Well, he says that there in verse 19, wonders from the truth, and then he turns around and uses the same word again, only in this case, he uses the noun rendition of the verb uh, wonders, uh, where he says, and whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering. So we're describing a wanderer. We're describing someone who wanders. What I would suggest to you, as far as what James is discussing and its pertinence to our lives, is he's describing people who have professed to know Jesus but have wandered off. 
And I would suggest to you in verse 19 that there's one facet of answering and wandered off. In what way have they wandered off? And then in verse 20, there's another facet to describing how have they wandered off? In what way have they wandered off? First of all, in, in verse 19, they have wandered from the truth. They have, if you would, they have turned from what the scriptures teach. Their, their thoughts are not in accordance with the thoughts of Scripture. They have not thought God's thoughts after him. They think other than what the Scriptures have given to us as a body of truth. Expressly, when we say the body of truth, the Scriptures are about the gospel. They are about the Lord Jesus Christ. They have wandered off in their thinking about Jesus. They, and if they do think about Jesus, they think wrongly about Jesus. They have adopted ways of thinking about Jesus that are not in accordance with what the Scripture teaches about Jesus. It's Jesus himself in John 8, verses 31 to 32 says, If you abide in my word then you are truly my disciple. Abide. In other words, if you ongoingly, continually soak in and engage my word, then you are truly my disciple. It goes on to say, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the life of a follower of Christ consists, among other things, but in a very fundamental level, it consists of a continuance in the Word. We're fooling ourselves if we pretend to have a relationship with Jesus, and yet we are not ingesting the Word regularly, consistently, habitually, in our lives. For without soaking in the word in our souls, we do not have a knowledge of scriptural truths. We, if you would, we wander from the truth. But there's a second facet, and I think verse 20, when it talks about wandering, now in the noun rendition of that, uh, it takes about whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. It certainly entails knowing the truth, having a body of knowledge that, that helps to orient us in our relationship with Jesus. But our lives, not just the things that we think, but the way we live, our lives are to be ordered by his word what our minds begin to grasp is meant to grip our living. We must know some things. But living out a faithful Christian experience entails more than knowing some things. It entails those things that we know kind of percolating down into our soul and reshaping not only how we think, but, but how we feel and how we live and how we talk and how we relate to each other. Christianity is a body of truth, but it's a body of truth meant to reorient the way that we live. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, he 
about halfway through chapter four, he had just talked about what, it, what life consisted of before a person comes to know Jesus. And yet the change that knowing Jesus is to make in a person's life. And he says in verses 20 to 24, and I'll just give bits and pieces of those four verses, talking about the change that is to occur in the direction of our life. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as is the truth in Jesus, to put off the old self and to put on the new self. In other words, so knowing these things to be true about Jesus is to, is to settle down into our hearts and souls so that we begin to look at our lives and, and whatever in our lives does not conform with Jesus Jesus, it's a part of our old life, our old nature. We strip it off. We put it to death. Whatever would be consistent with what is faithful in, and reflects the image of Jesus, we are to cultivate and put on and clothe ourselves with. See, we wonder from the truth when we don't think God's thoughts after him. We wonder from the truth when the way that we live our life does not conform with the knowledge of what we know to be true about Jesus. That's why, again, once again from the Apostle Paul, um, in Galatians chapter 2, when he has to approach Peter about Peter's behavior, it's so interesting, the, the standard or the plumb line that he uses to call Peter out. He says, when I saw that your conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. In other words, Peter had temporarily begun to wonder from the truth in terms of how he lived and how he behaved and how he related to others in the church. And, the, and Paul calls him out because he is wondering from the truth. The way Paul frames it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, only let the manner of your life, only let the way you live, only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel. Now, we don't make ourselves worthy of the gospel, but what he's saying is that we who profess to know Jesus, we who profess to believe in Jesus, then our life should harmonize, should growingly, increasingly be in synchronization with the life of Jesus. We should look more and more and more like Jesus. And when we are not looking more and more and more like Jesus in the way that we're living, then we are in that category of people classified as those who wander from the truth. Or even from the book of James, we are now drawing the book of James to completion. And we're ending one week short of my goal. I hoped it had been done by Memorial Day weekend. Well, that's just one week away. We started Labor Day weekend. So I'm running a week ahead of schedule. Thanks to you guys listening so well that we could just we could go through this a week sooner than we had planned. But it, when we walk through the book of James, there's so many things that James practically lays out for us that are other ways of explaining, am I, am I moving into the truth or am I wandering away from the truth? In chapter one, he, he describes how we should respond to suffering 
Do we respond to suffering in a way that shows that we're moving into the truth or suggests that we're wandering from the truth? Or how we resist temptation, moving into or wandering from? How we receive the word, how we reflect impartiality, how we reveal our faith through our works, how we refuse to speak wrongly, to use our tongue inappropriately, how we represent wisdom as opposed to folly in our life, how we resist the devil, how we remember the good hand of God in our, in our lives, shaping the plans that we make and the patience that we display in waiting for the Lord. James lays out for us uh, important nine or ten categories uh, that serve as, as barometers to help indicate, so how am I living out the truth in any of these nine or ten categories reveals whether or not I am classified as someone who is wandering from the truth or someone who is growing deeper into the truth. And then he talks about those who are committed to help reclaim others who do wonder from the truth. I want us to see just something of the universality here in, this, in these two verses. First of all, A, there's Nara, one of us here who is not a potential candidate for someone who would wonder from the truth. Yeah, I would never wonder from the truth. You're not very self-aware in some really important ways. I, I, I don't say that to offend any of us. We should all have a humble, realistic estimation to our own ability to make it safely home. If there's a way that I could mess up my salvation, I'm perfectly capable of doing that. So any of us would need to be alert to the possibility of finding ourselves in the category of wandering from the truth. Honestly, maybe some of you are like, well, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at right now today. And I'd say, praise God that you're here gathering with us. Because God kindly draws us back to him, and God uses his word and his people in some really important ways. And so you're just one of us. You're a wanderer that God is kindly bringing back. But not only are all of us candidates to be wanderers, all of us, if we name the name of Jesus, are candidates to be reclaimers. All of us have a calling upon our lives to not only not wonder, but all of us have a calling on our lives to help those around us who are tempted to wonder. Do you see that? My brothers, if anyone among you wonders, what does he say next? Just realize that ain't your problem. That's not what he says. You know, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, I wonder who that someone might be. How do you read the word? 
When you read the word and I read the word, we read the word, do, do we read it in a, in, in, in a way that we, we are convinced that he's talking to someone else this morning? Or do we read the word and we think, you know what, I don't think God wants to talk to anybody but me this morning. Someone brings him back. I hope that the spirit of God says, and you know what, I'm thinking you're the someone. And I hope he's doing that in, in multiple ways this morning. So that each of us say, wait a minute, he said I was the someone. No, I'm the someone, he told me. And a fight breaks out after church over who's the someone. Thus proving that we're Baptists. So. Anyone who, among you who wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering from the truth will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that a glorious calling? back from death and to cover a multitude of sins. Well, on the one hand, only Jesus can do that. But on the other hand, Jesus assumes that he also calls and equips every one of his followers to do that. Do you see yourself that way? It's just like, you know, like so what are you going to do this week? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to save someone's soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Like, what are you going to do this week? Um, I think I'm just going to go to work. You know, I, uh, I mean, we don't, we don't think that way. But I, I think James is pressing in on us and saying, just, just as, as sure as any and all of us qualify to uh, become candidates of those who potentially could wander, uh, all of us are also potential candidates who name the name of Jesus as to be reclaimers, those who would seek to reclaim the wanderers among us. Now, let me frame this conversation a bit wider for a second here. Because what I'm saying is these wanderers were people who profess to know Jesus, but wander off. The question I'd like to pose is people who claim to know Jesus and yet wander off, do those people really know Jesus? And I'd say, well, not everyone who says that they know Jesus really knows Jesus. Well, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, then how do we know it's someone who says they're a believer and yet who are currently wandering from the truth? Uh, how, how, do we, how do we know that they truly are a believer? I would suggest to you uh, that a, a, a very important facet of this conversation is how would that person who says that they're a believer respond to our attempts to reclaim them? Any of us could potentially be wanderers, And how would we respond to the person who approaches us and says, I love you and I'm concerned about the trajectory of your life? At that moment, the Lord has put a kind instrument in your presence. And at that moment, how you respond reveals uh, whether or not what you say 
about being a follower of Christ is genuine. Now, let me back up a bit further. Let me complicate this something. The scriptures teach us that Christ will get each of his sheep safely home. Jesus will lose none of his sheep. And part of the dynamic on how it is that Jesus loses none of his sheep is Jesus tells us, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So a characteristic of a sheep of Jesus is that, is that Jesus deploys his word in our lives. And when we hear the word of Jesus, when we hear the scriptures and what it says to us and what it teaches us, then we awaken from our stupor, we awaken from our slumber, we awaken from our wondering, and we run back to Jesus. You see, when we hear the voice of Jesus and we follow him, we should grasp that that is not talking about a one-time drive-by wink and nod of hearing Jesus. No, when Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice and follow him, he implies by that that it is a continuance in hearing his voice and following him. He implies by that that his sheep not only hear his voice once and are done with it, but his sheep hear his voice continually and they persevere in a life of believing in Jesus and turning from sin, a life of faith and repentance. In fact, it is our perseverance in faith and repentance that gives evidence that we truly belong to Jesus. Jesus preserves his people, but his preserving graces are demonstrated by the perseverance of his sheep in faith and repentance and not apart from faith and repentance. So when we wander from the truth, when we stop temporarily fading and repenting, believing and repenting, and we are wondering at that moment, and we give evidence at that moment that we truly do not belong to Jesus. But Jesus provides us with his people, with each other. That's why we go to church, because our church family is called to reach into our lives to watch over us as we watch over each other. And when, when, we, uh, when we begin to stray our wonder, then God deploys his means, the church. That's what James is talking about. God uses his people to be reclaimers to bring about his preserving work to, to stimulate perseverance 
in the hearts of those who even temporarily would wander off. He always brings his sheep back. He loses none of them. was listening to a book this week. I finished uh, uh, the book on Johnny. That, that was a great book. I, I, I finished the book on The Hiding Place. Excellent. Oh, man, such a great book. So this week I started reading a book um, by Alyssa Childers. Um, this is the second book of hers I've listened to. I listen to books, uh, audio books, um, when I ride my bike or when I go for my walk. I encourage you to do that. Thank God for St. Charles County Library cards. You can get Hoopla on your app and you can borrow free audio books. So um, the first book that she wrote uh, was um, uh, a, a wonderful, warm, truthful presentation of historic Christianity as it's assaulted by progressive Christianity. This second book, the one I'm listening to right now, I'm about halfway through it, I think, um, is um, warning Christians about the, the errors uh, that Christians entertain, the, the, the errors that cause us to wonder from the truth, to wonder in how we live our lives. The book is entitled, Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. And um, I, uh, I was listening to, I think, chapter nine yesterday as I was riding my bicycle, and um, I, had, I had a fit. I was just so livid. I just, I, like, is there anyone around I could choke right now? Um, and she was telling a story of her own, her own life. Um, and uh, in the, I don't know, it was in the late 90s or the early 2000s, she was in a, uh, a, 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 a Christian girl singing group. Yeah, I think. And um, she tells a story about she, how she, um, they, they just released their first album, they're, they're, they're in this big corporate office in New York or someplace like that. And, uh, and the, the, the Christian record label um, came in and on the eve of producing, uh, releasing their new album, um, uh, informed the ladies that, that um, they are um, going to do a complete photo shoot of the ladies and and that each of the ladies needed to lose 10 pounds. And did, did I read that it was a Christian recording uh, label? Did I, did I read that right? I think I must have mis, misread that. Um, but it, it, it perfectly fits my um, narrative of much of contemporary Christian music, and that is it's really about image and not about faithfulness. It's really about being hip and cool and not about being godly. You mean to tell me these girls can't minister the gospel in the word if they're 10 pounds overweight? As was recommended probably by a group of men who probably uh, have a pretty bulging waistline their own self. I'm just saying, so. Um, anyway, so anyway, I tell that to set it up. So, so she tells on herself at that moment 
she chose the path of an eating disorder. She chose a path of self-harm in order to drop the weight so that she would have the uh, wonderful image to represent Jesus looking like that. So as though that really, again, that, that really, really matters. It's not about faithfulness, but. Um, and, uh, but she goes on to tell that as she's in her hotel room, as their band is touring, uh, she's making constant trips to the bathroom where she's throwing up. And yet she thanks God for a wonderful member of the band who approaches her and confronts her and calls her out. That's called accountability. And, and that's called what church life should consist of, of believers being diligent and watchful for other believers. Knowing that any of us have a temptation to wonder from the truth, but knowing that if we're safe in the context of a local church, God will raise up his people who will care for each other, and when we see each other wondering from the truth, we might even have to have hard conversations with each other in terms of holding each other accountable to keep each other from harming ourselves, to keep each other from wondering from the truth in terms of believing false things and living in false ways. In other words, what I'm saying is that, is that God wants each of us who name the name of Jesus to look around and to be an instrument, to be a reclaimer in someone's life who may be wondering. You see, Jesus deploys his people to be a practical means by which he gets his people safely home. All right, just as a sidebar, not as a commercial for church membership, but, but if you're not, well, maybe it is, it's a shameless plug, but, but, if, but, if, but if you're not a part of a local church, then you are removing yourself from a very practical means by which God has ordained to get you home. Because getting home is ultimately Christ's preserving work, but Christ preserves us through a grace enabled perseverance, and such perseverance is a community project. I need you to get me home. You need me to get you home. You need you to get you home, and you need you to get you home. So I, should I keep pointing, or is that rude? Yeah, don't make me come down there at all. So how does Jesus get each of his sheep home? He gives us his word, and he gives us his people. And his people are the practical means by which his word is to be held out and provided for each other. For here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Take care, brothers. Take care. Lest there, be any, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, that's a mouthful 
of a half of a, cent, of a verse. Take care, brothers. In other words, Jesus is starting from the assumption, you're a believer, you're a brother in Christ, you're a sister in Christ, you're a believer. But he says to the believers, take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That sounds pretty serious to me. That sounds like the potentiality of any one of us wandering from the truth. And then he says to complete the sentence, to complete the passage, the verse meeting, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. So even the work of reclamation uh, is never like, well, I... I went and talked to Joe once, and well, you know, uh, no, it's just, uh, we, we go talk to Joe, and when we can't talk any sense into Joe, then we, we regroup, we pray, and we come back for Joe again, and again, and again, and again. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Who does sin deceive? You. Moi. Now, you could probably see some categories of my moral weakness and sins, but, 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 well, two can play that game. I can see some of yours, perhaps. In other words, that's the point. In other words, sometimes we see things in each other that concern us that we don't see our own selves. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to exhort each other uh, every day, as long as it is called today, uh, that none of us would be overridden, if you would, by the deceitfulness of sins. And then he says this in verse 14, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm. To the end. Christ preserves his people by causing his people to persevere. And Christ surrounds his people who are called to persevere by placing them in a community of people who would exhort and help and encourage each other, lest any of us be hardened with the deceitfulness of our sins. You see, it is only through faith in Jesus that any of us get home. And yet that faith in Jesus is to be an enduring, continuing, persevering, ongoing. That was the moment that you first turn to Jesus and trust in him, what are you to do next? Turn to Jesus and trust in him. Well, what do I do after that? Turn to Jesus and trust in him. Well, what do I do after that? Turn to Jesus and trust in him. Yeah, but what's after that? Turn to Jesus and trust in him. But after that, turn to Jesus and trust. Anyone say uncle yet? You get the point. I hope you get the point. That is, believing in Jesus is not something you did in youth camp in 72. Believing in Jesus is not something that you did at a church service in 84. Believing in Jesus is not something that you did last year and now you've completely forgotten about it and gotten over it. Uh, believing in Jesus is to be a lifelong pursuit and journey. 
that Jesus gets each one of his children home, but it takes time to give evidence that we truly belong to Jesus. For he will cause his children to persevere, and he will even supply his children with the means, the people of God, to be aids and instruments in that important work of persevering. For when Jesus laid down his life on the cross and God raised him from the dead, there is nothing else that any of us need to do to be in a right relationship with God other than to turn from ourselves and to turn from Jesus. And to do that time and time and time and time and time again until we breathe our last breath and we open our eyes and the one whom we've been trusting in for the duration of our remaining days, we now see him face to face. He gets us home and he surrounds us with a people to help us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've warned us to not wander. Thank you that you supply your people as a means to keep us from wandering. And yet, Father, when the dust is all settled and the day is over, it is you, through your people, by your grace, by the presence of your spirit, that you get us safely home. Thank you. May we, at this very moment, be trusting only in Jesus. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.